Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to Audio Watch, the Exposure Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help you answer the question, is Quentin Tarantino's next movie really his last one? Probably not. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, he'll, here's what I reckon. He's been saying it for enough time that he's going to at least commit to it for a period. Yes. Let's say, but let's say it's like 15, 20 years. The motherfucker's going to come out at like 80 and be like, shit's fucked, I'm doing one last movie. Is- well, I, I, I'm going to say, no, it's not his last movie, but also he disappears for quite some time. Hmm. That's what I'm on. Nah, I think he'll do he'll do the Soderbergh thing where you know he'll go away, do some other things, and then he'll be like, "Shit, I've got a great idea for a movie." Or well, shit, well, he reckons he wants to he reckons he wants to write books. <laughs> I don't know if he needs money, but um, he wants to write books. Is his whole thing? Hmm. Which feels like I'm backwards, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> How long until someone adapts his his one of his books? Yeah, someone else like buys the rights to adapt his own book, turns it into a shitty movie, and then he gets like, so pissed fuck. off he comes out of retirement. He's like, never again. <laughs> uh, I can be the only one who can adapt this, yeah. All right, on today's episode of What Do I Watch, we'll be discussing what's our watch history. We're going over a little bit of news, giving some thumbs to trailers, and giving you this week's top three. Uh, I'll kick things off. I've gone and watched Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Of course, this is the sequel to the previous Shazam film. Uh, I think it was 2019 off the top of my head. Um, so this film is set, uh, several years after, well, a couple of years after the previous one, uh, I guess slight spoilers for the first movie, but, uh, at the end of the movie, the, all the, his, uh, Billy Batson and his whole family, uh, get superpowers, uh, the power of the gods. Um, so it's a couple of years later, they're trying to be superheroes around Philadelphia, not going well because they've gone, uh, gotten the moniker of the Philadelphia fiascos uh, because they do such a poor job of being superheroes. Um, uh, but uh, Helen Mirren and <laughs> Lucy Liu play the daughters of Atlas, uh, who are gods who, because of uh, the events of the first film, have been released from their trap, their their cage, or whatever, uh, and are now hunting down. Uh, the Shazam family to reclaim what they believe are the powers of their parents. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's a good time. I, you know, it's, it's not going to blow anybody's mind. There's a lot of CGI and like it, it, it devolves into a big CGI fight fest, but um, with a bunch of CGI monsters and that kind of stuff. But you know, Shazam does fight a dragon. You know, all my boxes. Um, I think it's very funny. Everybody is super on board with the tone of the movie. Seeing Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu ham it up is a real delight. But I think the real surprise here is Jamon Hussein, who uh, play who returns as a wizard somehow, um, and is super funny throughout this entire film. Uh, he is a delight. Um, obviously, you know uh, Jack Glazer Dylan plays uh, young the normal Freddie Billy Freeman. Batson. Yeah, no, no, yes? he plays Freddie Freeman. Alright, okay. Uh, with the crutch. Uh, he's, he's probably the best of the, the kids. I feel like... 
My main issue with the film is it feels like it misses a lot of opportunities for emotional moments. Like, um, th- there's this thread about uh, Billy being trying to hold this family tight together because he's about to turn 18 and he'll be he'll age out of the foster care system. Uh, but they don't really delve into that enough to make the emotional moment that they're going for uh, hit hard enough. I'll admit, I, I got a little bit emotional, but I feel like it could have been amplified if it had been a, a plot line that they spent a little bit more time with. Um, and just, the young, the kid Billy Batson, barely in the movie. <laughs> it's all, really? yeah, it's all, it's all uh, Zachary Levi as Shazam, pretty much. Um, all the other c- characters, I feel like, have a solid balance between their Shazam personalities and their kid forms. Um, the other plot line that I'm like is weird or like follow through from the previous film. Mary was meant to go to college and like she just didn't. It's not really explained clearly why she didn't go to college. Uh, even though she got like a scholarship and that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I, I had a good time. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, there's some interesting CGI and storylines and that kind of stuff. There is... I don't know if this is spoiling or not, but obviously in some of the promotional material it's been revealed that Wonder Woman shows up in the film. I'm saying this I've seen this everywhere. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but I mean I think like in my is. opinion, it's a spoiler. <laughs> uh they not necessarily because it ruins the surprise, but because it 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 it's a moment that you're waiting for to happen and it kind of cuts off the the ending of the movie a little bit it's a, it's it's incredibly jarring the moment that they have before the wonder woman mu- music kicks in uh and she <laughs> shows up. yeah it's a good so, song banger yeah so so is this movie i i looked up here's my question as someone who doesn't really care to watch this and I looked up the, I, I read the after credits. I looked up and <laughs> see what happens in the after credits scenes. Yep. It sounds like they're still trying to connect this into the whole new James Gunn DC universe thing or what? No, I think that, that was all shot beforehand and they just released it. So um, okay. whether they actually do, well, I mean, the door is left open. The door was left open if it performed financially well, which it looks like it's not. Um, it looks like it is not. <laughs> it is bombing. It is it did not make as much as Morbius 2. So, uh, yep. Or Morbius. Just plain Morbius. Uh, Morbius 2 is not really released yet. Um, so, yeah. That's disheartening. But um, because of, uh, I think it's it's a lot of fun. Um, you know what I reckon? Psychologically, what's affected this movie? What? Black Adam. Probably. I reckon it has. I reckon, I reckon the... I mean, that movie made money, same. right? <laughs> it had The Rock... But they look, yeah, so they look the same. They It's the same, like, universe and everything like that. And, like, it has the same feel. All the trailers for this movie have been very, like, not not exciting, at least to me personally. I liked the first one, but the reason I liked the first one was more to do with the kids and yeah, the story. because it's, and, like, it's the, big, but with superpowers. Yeah. That, that is this the, one just... This one just feels like a superhero movie, you know? Yeah, which is why I'm, like, I don't really care about it now. It's, Wow, sorry. Uh, sorry. No. 
I mean, there's there's a lot of fun elements, so I would say it's worth checking out. But, uh, yeah, I do. I think we're going to get more Shazam. Probably not at this point. Um, it, yeah, I mean, they they definitely leave the door open uh, with some pretty prominent uh, characters returning in the after credit scenes. Um, also, the end credit scene is such a troll. Uh, and is only going to matter to people who watch the end credits scene of the first film. Uh, yeah, so the, the the first end credits was the one where I'm like, does that not connect it to the James Gunn thing? And then the second one, I was like, well, that's just funny. Yeah, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dylan, you've been watching Swarm, the new series on Prime Video uh, from Donald Glover and his producing partner. Um. The Yeah, so this is a new series from uh, Donald Glover and... Um, uh, Janine Nabbers. Um yep. Stars Dominic something or other. Hold on, let me find the... Dominic, Dominic, Dominic Fishback. Fishback. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, Andrea slash Dre. Uh, she's this young, like 20, young 20s girl who's, um, as the series starts, she's living with her. Uh, what do you call it? Like. She's sisters, but by uh, like she's the adopted sister. Oh no, what she's foster. She was adopted foster sister, I guess. Well, there you go. So foster sister. I didn't know the terminology. Uh, played by Chloe, Chloe Bailey, um, Marissa, and they're both like fans of this young. They're both star fans of this artist named Nigel. Uh, more so Dre, who's very much from the start just obsessive about this artist. Uh, and as the show sort of goes along, by the time you get to the end of the first episode, it just it steamrolls into some traumatic events happening to Dre, and then she just goes on a more or less a killing spree that starts with her wanting to kill people, talking shit about Niger online, and saying that she's terrible, which leads to funny meme-worthy stuff that's popping up on Twitter of just her asking people, who's your favorite artist? And it's like, what do you think of Nigel? And I was like, no, nah, just kills him. So uh, each episode sort of its own little contained story, I guess. It's got its own guest stars quite often and you don't really know the time gap between episodes sometimes. Uh, it's interesting. It's obviously sort of very it's very obvious that Nigel's supposed to be Beyonce or like a Beyonce stand-in um they talk about how you know her fans are swarm and it's like the bees and you know like the 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 coincidences aren't just bullshit like it's it's it, it's very obviously meant to be like Beyonce um the series also starts with telling you everything is that every this is based on a true story and stuff it's not it's based on true stories like real things that happened or uh, potentially happened that they've sort of real criminal cases that they've wrote into this one character, but it's not there. It wasn't someone actually called Andrea going around uh, killing off people who hated Beyonce, I guess. That we know of. That we know of. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's definitely tackles into the, each episode sort of goes thematically in different directions, but the overarching theme is obviously obsession with what do you call it like celebrity culture obsessives with celebrities there's also like the the ongoing concurrent theme that she's obsessed with what people are saying on twitter and 
TikTok and, you know, like lots of just like swiping through her phone and just like reading stuff people are saying and like not the inability to put her phone down and escape from that and whatever else is going on there. Um, there's a standout. I, and again, talking about stuff that isn't, isn't spoilers, this has been everywhere, so it doesn't really matter at this point, I don't think. But I think they um, put out a trailer. Like They did now, so it doesn't really matter, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but they're in the fourth episode, I think it is, yeah, Billie Eilish shows up. Acting debut, I think, right? Has she? I, I, I know I definitely haven't seen her like act in anything aside from her own music video. Wasn't she in like uh, American Horror Story or something? Was she? I don't know. I'm, I'm up to date with the current season, so if it's it not an acting like debut, it's one of the. It does sound like something she would do. So, um, but she's very good in that episode. It's probably one of the the best episodes in the show. I found it very entertaining so billy eilish basically plays the this cult leader of she a hosted saturday night live and appeared on sesame street so i mean that's no so acting debut yeah i guess um in a fictional role um yeah she plays like the the leader of this cult women's self-help group that sort of dre gets dragged into uh that's qu- quite an interesting uh episode and billy eilish is really really good so i'm keen to see if acting something that she wants to pursue more of i guess because yeah I, I i don't feel like it's a oh she's just like she got hired because she's famous like she was good she was generally very good um the series sort of the last two episodes i think is where it might lose it for some people because the there's like there's almost two it's seven episodes i think and it almost feels like the six episodes one season finale and then the seventh episode's another season finale and you sort of have to pick which one you want to believe is like the endings of the show sort of scenario I, th- I think that's where it may lose some people but yeah it's definitely a show that can inspire conversation and make you think about some things but i don't think it's going to be for everyone uh i did like the cast and characters and general stuff and it's it's a wild ride but yeah no, definitely not going to be for everyone Alright, uh, so also on Prime Video, I've watched the first couple episodes of Class of 07, so this is a apocalyptic TV show uh, about a bunch of uh, girls who go to their 10-year reunion uh, only for the apocalypse to happen, uh, the apocalypse being a massive earthwide flood. Uh, interestingly... Realistic. I was going to say it's realistic. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interestingly, it's Australian, <laughs> starring Australians. Uh, main uh, main actors, Emily Browning and uh, Caitlin Stacey. Emily Browning plays a uh, a woman who appeared on like a Bachelor-esque TV show uh, and went off after not being <laughs> chosen uh, or not given a rose. Uh, and then, you know, goes on this massive ramp, which ends up with a bird pooping in her mouth. Uh, and this has subsequently been a, the butt of all jokes. Uh, so yeah, they all end up at this 10-year reunion, and then the apocalypse happens. Like, they suddenly walk outside, and the school is the... So they're doing the 10-year reunion at their old school, uh, which is like an all-girls school, boarding school. And... Where's it set? Nothing- New South Wales or somewhere? Somewhere like that. It's a, on top of a mountain. So, I mean, to put that into perspective... It- it doesn't really matter where exactly it's set. I guess uh, it's definitely not Brisbane because the character says, oh, we, I need to go back to Brisbane to get, you know. Uh, 
but yeah, it's really enjoyable so far. There's a lot of fun dynamics. There's a lot of, uh, obviously, mid-2000s callbacks, music-wise at least. Um, I'm enjoying all the different characters uh, and seeing, like, the obviously they're hinting at the different relationships and how things have changed over the last 10 years. Uh, the episodes are only, like, 30 minutes long, so, I mean, it's... it's uh, and there's eight, so I'm looking forward to getting through all of them. Uh, yeah, and, you know, there's kind of potential there for some dark twists and that kind of stuff the last episode ends with them uh two of the characters pushing one of the girls who's fallen asleep on a kayak out to the waters <laughs> you know because why just... is she in a kayak if the whole world's flooded like where's she going exactly you know she's been she was being a bitch uh Okay. Do you know, maybe it, it's a uh, you know, it's for the greater good of the the group. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, I think it's definitely a show worth checking out. So, uh, class of 07 on Prime Video. Uh, Dylan, you watched the Portable Door. Yeah. So this uh, comes out stand next week. I think it's like a limited release now or this week. Maybe this week. Anyway, um, the Portable Door. So I think it's based on a book. Uh, or book series is that guys? We talked about. Did we talk about trailer for this? Or did I, dream I don't that? think so. Okay, maybe I dream that. Uh, so it stars. Um, it stars Patrick Gibson as this, I guess, like young twenties dude who, at the start of the series, he's like going for a job interview at a coffee barista place. But then, like a lot of weird coincidence stuff happens, and he ends up in like following a a dog that steals his scarf. Uh. You know, like a lot of really weird coincidence stuff. Uh, dog steals his skull. And he ends up in this uh, interview area where um, it's being hosted by Christoph Waltz's character um, and Sam Neill's character, as, as well as a couple of people. Next day, he finds out he's got the job. The job interview wasn't anything. It was just like sort of like asking a bunch of weird questions. He shows up for the place. He has no idea what they do there or what it is. Anytime he asks what they do, he sort of gets shushed away and um there's a whole like very you, you can tell like it's it's got an error of um from the outset obviously there's an error of magical stuff happening to it because of the the fact that these characters appeared out of nowhere and you're like just the whole they they didn't question like the fact he wasn't queued up for this interview in the first place but they know his name and you know all all all, all these sorts of things but the way the portable door comes into it is eventually uh, Christoph, Nol- Christoph Waltz's character, who's like the, the head of this company, or whatever they do, uh, he asks Paul if he can look for his portable door, which he says he'll know, know it when he finds it. So he begins looking for this door, and it's literally a portable door. It's a door that like folds up and goes in. When you open the door, it can take you places. Like It's a, it's a door that can take you anywhere, sort of scenario. Um, and then other stuff happens throughout it, but that, I guess that's the the core setup. I really, really enjoyed this. I think this was a a lot of fun. It felt what do you call it? What would be the age group? Like, uh, what's the oh, like it's a it's a it's a YA novel. Like, it's a okay. it's not a it's not a kids family movie, but it de- it definitely has that element of like YA audience adaptation thing to it. Which I can't remember the last time I've watched something with that this same sort of feel to it where you just it's i don't even know how to describe it but you know what i mean like it's just a you can tell it's got that ya 
adaptation feel that I feel uh, that we used to get a lot of, and then I don't know what happened to it. But and yeah, sure, some are bad, some are good. I would deem this on the good side. I really enjoyed all the cast. So um, alongside Patrick uh, Gibson, you also have uh, if I can find her, I probably can't. Uh, Sophie Wilde is the other sort of main character. She was there for the job interview at the same time and she gets hired, but in a, a different role. And those two sort of forge a connection throughout the, the movie. Christoph Waltz and Sam Neill are having a blast with their sort of ridiculous characters, including Sam Neill, who's just very much over the top yelling at everyone. And he's sort of the, an asshole second in command sort of role, which is quite funny to watch Sam Neill do, um, highly entertaining, um, a few other people like uh, Rachel House is in this, uh, or the who most people know from um, the Hunt for the Wilder People and stuff like. There's a there's a there's enough people in funny moments, especially I guess if you know like more Australian New Zealand actors, you'll spot some people and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I th- I think it was a lot of fun, and it's not even short. It's not like ninety minutes. I think it's like two hours, but um i'm down and I, I i'm all for like is there more of these because uh, adapt the adapt the way the story goes next because uh i would happily watch it so yeah i was gonna try and get up a review but if i was i i reckon i'd be around like i, I honestly would be around like a seven and a half to an eight like, I, I think this is enjoyable and people should watch it all right uh so season three of ted lasso has kicked off uh of course the tv series about an american who goes to ho- uh, coach a or manage a uh, Premier League club in the UK despite being an American football coach uh, it's Emmy winning TV series finally back for its third season and after this episode I'm pretty sure the final season um, I really enjoyed it obviously it's setting up setting up a lot of stuff um, you know the classic uh weird motivational stuff that Ted does by taking the team into a sewer uh, and trying to explain. Use that as it all makes sense. It does. And it works by the end of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, but then it's also uh, interesting. Obviously, it's several months after we last seen the characters. There's a lot of changes. The big one that is Nate that is uh, now manager at West Ham uh, and kind of seeing him going into that environment um, definitely continuing the story on from last season of, uh, you know, going to the dark side, I guess, a little bit. Mm, um, literally. Even, you know, obviously you've got the different callback moments of like him spitting and trying to build himself up at the press conference. It's got the super awkward moment of him driving his very old car into the the parking lot and uh, them thinking some random person's. A cleaner got in or something. Yeah. They say. Into exclusive parking. So, yeah. I really enjoyed it. But again, I think it's very telling this episode, at least, uh, that this will probably be the last we see of Ted Lasso. But Dylan, what did you think of the premiere of Ted Lasso Season 3? Yeah, very good. I think finishing it this season makes perfect sense. And yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Even though they haven't said as much, it's been rumored for some time. And yeah, I, I'm like, how much further can you drag this out? This I mean, the episode continually sense. asks the question, why are we here? <laughs> Yeah, I know. They literally, <laughs> why are you still here? And I, even to the point that watching it, you're like, yeah, why is he still there? Like, <laughs> like he had a go. Like, how much longer do you want to have a go? Like, what's the like? And if you're not trying to win, then what are you doing? Like, what's the what's the end goal? Sort of, mm. sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Happy to see everyone back. Um, 
I really, I'm getting sort of annoyed with the, the only thing, my favorite moment as an audience member who doesn't like that, um, Roy broke up with, um, oh, super upset. Yes. Yeah. What's her fucking name? Keely. Um, Keely. Yeah. That Keely broke up with Roy. And then my favorite part, spoilers, I guess, we're spoiling the whole episode at this point. Yeah. But this part where he gets in the car at the end there with his niece and she's just like, can I say a bad word, uncle? (laughs) It's like. You're watch out! I can't even remember. She's just like you're. I think you're being you're, stupid. <laughs> I think you're being stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, solid. And then Roy's just like, yeah, it's fair. Like, <laughs> it's, it's fair. Also, shout out to because I tweeted. It was just very funny that the first moment you see Keely, this whole episode, she's just on the phone and she's like, um, fuck yelling you, at Joe Rogan. Fucking, <laughs> fuck you, Joe Rogan! Like, hangs up the phone. <laughs> so it's good shit. It is good shit. So yeah. Uh, very excited for the next 10 weeks. Weird that it's releasing on a Wednesday is the only thing. It's a bit weird, but yeah. Uh, whether that's a new thing for Apple TV to see, you know. Well, sh- what shrink- going shrink- head to head. Fridays, right? Yeah. Everything previously yeah. is released on a Friday. Fridays, so yeah. Yeah. Going head to head with The Mandalorian. See which one, you know, rates better. I p- I think if they're going to get to a stage where they're putting out more shows, it makes more. S- it doesn't make sense to release all your Apple TV stuff on the same day. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It just doesn't. It it does when Netflix does it because all this shit's bingeable, and then people just choose which one they want to binge and they yeah. go for it. But, but even if I'm watching shrinking, stuff out during the week, you know. Yeah, I know. But if I'm watching shrinking at the moment, I'm watching shrinking. I'm watching Ted Lasso, and I started watching Monster Factory. Right? There's three different shows. Do I want to watch all of them on the same day? No, I'd prefer to have my week split up. Yeah. Personally. Okay. As someone with a day job and a side. <laughs> explosion.com i would like my, my time to be more you know well i mean you could choose to split it up you know. i know but i want to watch them with it like as they come out so i can not have i i don't want to see the memes and jokes on twitter you know like i don't watch well, them don't the go on the social media you know <laughs> that cannot work when i have a high side hustle explosion.com yeah just mute words you know i know i know elon hates you muting words and blocking accounts but uh you know maybe you should do it well, seeing as you brought it up, Monster Factory, a uh, new series focused on the wrestling school called Monster Factory. Yeah, documentary series following uh, the trials and tribulations of uh, wrestling trainees. Uh, how many episodes have you watched? Uh, one. I've also watched one. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just an obviously an episode like setting up the premise, uh, setting up a lot of the characters, I guess, uh, that will follow during the season. Um Obviously, the big thing being preparing this girl for her WWE tryout. Um, so, yeah. I, I think it's very interesting. Obviously, there's a... You look at the people that who, who went to the school. I mean, that's a pretty impressive list of people that is this obviously trained to, to... Especially now, it's an interesting point to release this when there's more than one professional wrestling opportunity place. out there. So. so, Mimi, who's the main person, um, she's been on AEW couple times uh elevation and dark matches she's done i think two three Mm. probably so i'd seen her before so what you're saying is she fails (laughs) no she i don't know do you want me to spoil it (laughs) 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 i don't think it's a spoiler for life she ends up in an nxt spoilers but um the uh the the thing yeah because i've had other people like preston vance and stuff like that qt marshall used to be a um coach at the monster factory yeah as as well before coming over like doing the the 
Nightmare. What's Cody Rhodes? What? Yeah. Nightmare Factory, sorry. Yeah, so, like, there's lots of, like, I know a little bit, like, for some people, background stuff and whatever else. But I would say, now tell me if you think I'm wrong, at least based off one episode so far, that you don't need to be, like, a wrestling fan to watch this. You could just be, like, someone who enjoys, like, sports docos, because I feel like Yes, it, it I feel like that's definitely what they're going for. And yeah, like- the target audience, especially based on the first episode, with how much they go into sort of explaining... Stuff. Like the very basics and stuff. I'm like, this is targeted. This that. is a pro- which is how fine. We do a promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's which is fine, but yeah, yeah. I think it's all. I'm definitely looking forward to watching the rest because it's all dropped at once. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it's they dropped it as a bingeable. So yeah, check out Monster Factory. Uh, now we're going to jump to one of my favorite segments: films Dylan can finally watch. Finally, at last. It's about time. It's been 84 years. Dylan, you watched The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh Do you it think it was worthy watched. of zero Academy Awards? <laughs> no. Now, hold on. Who won? I forgot. Who won actor? Brendan. See, I can't. I can't. Brendan Fraser. I can't. I can't argue it because I haven't watched the while yet. Right. Yeah. I still, I still have no heel to, to stand on until I've watched The, the while. So okay, I, I, I won't go Would you have it. put him over Austin Butler or Elvis? Fuck yes. Okay. It's easy. Uh, very good movie. Very funny movie. Very weird movie. Uh, <laughs> 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 highly enjoyable though. Had a great time watching it. Uh, several times laughed out loud. I think the funniest, one of the funniest things I've seen, at least that I've watched this year, is the, the bread part where... <laughs> Just thinking about it makes me laugh. Like, there's a part. So for people who don't know, the, I guess for people who don't know the pitch of this movie, the pitch is literally that Kyle Farrell's character like goes down to have a beer with his friend at the start of the movie, and his friend's play, uh, played by um, uh, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, and he like uh, he just doesn't want to talk to him anymore, and he doesn't explain why until like a little bit later, and his reasoning is more or less don't like him anymore. Like as <laughs> like the most like just sort of abrupt breakup friendship breakup and they're living on this it's set in like what 1920s i think roughly yeah, or whatever like yeah like uh I, I, irish uh, island civil irish war civil war yeah yeah happening um which they talk about well you see you hear explosions on the mainland but they're on this like small island so everyone knows everyone it's like what the fuck else do you do apparently other than drink every day and walk your sheep like it's just such yeah. a like you just drink and sheep and whatever else um yeah, so he does all that, but then my favorite part is like later when uh, Colin sees old mate talking to some other dude who's come down from the mainland. He like goes and picks him up on his little cart and offers him right. He's like, "Oh, oh, you're the guy." I sort of thing. I got a, I got a mail that can't, a, a message came through for you. Your dad died. He's like, "Oh no, my 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 dad's already dead or whatever it is. My dad's already dead." It's like, "Oh no, sorry, it was your mom. It was your mom. Your mom's died." Oh no, what's happened to her? Oh, bread truck ran her over what no he's like yeah that happens in this, <laughs> the fact that you can tell at first that colin's reaction is like oh no i've gone for like a very like unbelievable scenario he's like yeah that happens and then the dude goes oh i know because that's how my dad died <laughs> <laughs> and then the fact the part that killed me was he jumps off the fucking cart and he turns around and goes if it's the same fucking driver <laughs> It killed me. I was, I was like, that's some funny shit. 
<laughs> it was fucking great. Also, this movie is very weirdly dark at times. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, aside from like having hilarious moments like that, it's also without like spoiling actual other stuff because I'll spoil that because it's fucking funny. But the other stuff that happens that's quite dark in this movie with this friendship breakup, uh, it's just yeah, it's odd. It's gross. It's um, I mean, it's hard to discuss like thematically what I guess the point is about spoilers, but very much just seems to be you know pushing a man to like there's a degree and once you fall off that cliff someone like literally like not figuratively fall off a cliff there's like no coming back like uh, like i don't know yeah so it's 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 definitely an interesting movie shot beautifully wonderful acting by everyone including um what's the actor his sister i can't remember Uh, her name Uh, she's she's also very fucking good Yes, she's fantastic. Um, yeah, great movie. Do you understand the appreciation for Jenny the Donkey now? Yeah, Jenny the Donkey is pretty good, but everyone's uh, prior to saying this, everyone's talking about this fucking donkey. People should have been telling me about this bread joke. <laughs> what a good bit. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. So I watched Money Shot, the Pawn Hub story. Uh, the documentary about Pornhub. It's a thing. Um, so it kind of delves into the how Pornhub got its start, how it's run by this company called Mind Freak, um, who really, as much as they like run porn companies, their big thing is uh, SEO and like web optimization and like obviously becoming the number one hit thing on every single adult search out there. Um, I guess the big thing, turning point is obviously the big, uh, I think it was the Children of Pornhub article that was put up by the New York Times, kind of detailing um, all the underage people and all the, like, uh, people without consent, people who keep showing up on the website, um, and kind of how that had ripple effects both to uh, Pornhub itself and then, of course, then on to sex workers who would rely on, relied on the site to uh make a living and that kind of stuff um i feel like it gives a pretty solid fair view for both sides i guess the Pornhub side kind of gets a bit uh of a fairer rub because there are more people from that side who are willing to appear on camera uh they keep referencing this one person who uh was a major face of like the uh i think it was a uh was very against Pornhub during that period uh and she's not in the documentary at all. Um, it, yeah, I think it's a solid documentary, kind of it, like detailing like an interesting part of the internet that probably has not been discussed very much. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a fine documentary. I mean, if you're there wanting to get boob and tits, I guess it's not really, that's not what Who this documentary is really about. Uh, I mean, it's there like peripherally, but um, yeah, I mean, it delves into it has like delves into how they were doing moderation and how poorly that was being done and that kind of stuff so um yeah if that's a facet of the internet you want to find out a bit about you know check out this documentary all right let's move into a little bit of film news and the big story this week willow cancelled after for one season or is it 
uh, reading from Empire Online. It's been a roller coaster week for Willow fans. A few days ago, reports emerged that the Disney Plus sequel series to Ron Howard and George Lucas' 1988 fantasy movie was being cancelled after just one season on the streaming service. But in a lengthy statement, showrunner John Kasdan has spoken out about what's actually happening with the show, and it's more complicated than a simple cancellation. The good news is there may still be plenty more story on the way. Uh, Kasdan states that the show isn't going straight back into production, but he says it's absolutely not the case that future episodes will never be made with the plans for Volume 2 and seemingly more beyond that. Uh, Kasdan says, A decision was made last week to release our main cast for other opportunities that may arise for them in the coming year. With all the TV and movies in production around the world, it seems it feels unfair to limit an actor's availability without a clear sense of where, when you're going to need them. Again, it's further trivialized by the simple reality that these scripts that we're working on require just as many actors with whom no such contractual hold exists. Uh, as Kasdan points out, there's an industry-wide slowdown on streaming service production at the moment, and Willow won't be shooting in the next year. But here's what's equally true. With an enthusiastic and unwavering support of Lucasfilm and Disney, we have developed and written what we hope is brain-meltingly fun, richer, darker, and better volume 2, which builds on the characters and story of our first eight chapters. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this, this news around Willow? <laughs> it was a wild ride, but I think uh, I think what Kasdan said at the end makes perfect sense. Or in his tweet that came out like a couple of days prior, uh, after the news or whatever broke, so... I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, the the fact that yeah, if it got cancelled, it would really suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was like actually, I still have like two episodes left that I really want to get to if I have time. But I've so far really really enjoyed the series, and um, having knowing that I've still got those couple episodes left is sort of just like knowing that I've got some you know it's like knowing I've got lollies or chocolate or you know like a treat in the fridge that I can I'm eventually going to be able to to dive into. So. Um, compared to a lot of the, the other Lucasfilm Disney Plus series, namely Star Wars, in which the quality is mostly average, <laughs> like across the majority of the series, average or bad, with the standout being obviously Andor. Um, yeah, it was just it would be really shit to see that Willow, which had such a a great cast, um, it's a really interesting story, building upon the film in such great ways. Um, you know, it just would be highly disappointing. But yeah, I think everything that Kazan says makes perfect sense. I, I, I don't think that's bullshit. I think that's like covering up anything. No, absolutely. I think um, it's interesting, obviously, that, uh, you know, that if it's not going to production straight away, like we'll release our actors from contract. It's like very much a contract heavy thing. Um, that is, like, going to be tricky to, like, figure out in the future, I guess. Like, um, of course, we've always had this, uh, we've always had this thing where, you know, I think, you know, with shorter seasons and that kind of stuff, it, but l- longer productions, I guess, uh, it's, it's trickier now than it has ever, ever had been to, like, get actors to stick with one project. Of course, you also talk about them not getting as much residuals as they used to, I think, uh, I remember Sydney Sweeney talking about like she's she can't stop working because you know she's not really making enough as an actor to keep herself. To be fair, she said like, she wouldn't be able to go on holidays for six months in California or something, and I'm like, yeah, but yeah, but you know, <laughs> I mean, back in the day, you know, they you shoot your series and then you'd get like three months off or whatever yeah. to do whatever you want, um, because you could live off the residuals of the show and that kind of stuff, um. 
but yeah, I, I think it's very interesting. <laughs> uh, it's very promising, uh, and it also makes sense that they've got more story to tell, especially the way they ended the season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, but you know that that's a really great cast, and I suspect they'll get a lot of opportunities. Uh, and getting them back together might be harder than they probably think. Would be my major concern. Um, mm. But if they all want to do it, then I don't know why they wouldn't try and figure it out schedule wise. Um, especially, obviously, if they plan it well in advance. <laughs> I guess the it, it would be an interesting point from like a cost, like a pre-production, like going, oh, we're not going to do a volume two until we figure it out all out. Like how financially expensive that is like to keep all the people who would need to be around for pre-production and that kind of stuff involved and like obviously it will have a different feel because it's not just the actors who potentially won't well, be back I it'll mean, be like all the behind the scenes cinematographers and camera people and like all that on a well. much smaller scale there was like an actor who had like a small part in the season five of breaking um, on better call soul and then because of the because of sounds made to say because of when, when a heart attack happened <laughs> and production had to be yes. slowed down, um, that person went past their point that they were on hold, so they actually had to move on to the next to the next project, like legally. Um, so they actually had to hire a different actor. Like, hmm. like I know it's a small scale, but these things happen. For yeah, like, people are people will get sign a contract for eight weeks. They need to work like four weeks, uh, like or maybe they sign a contract for five weeks and need week four so they got a week of wiggle room or whatever but yeah yeah so yeah especially all these smaller bit part players like that they're going to be the tricky people too but this show doesn't necessarily have the most amount of smaller cast so i mean no that that i'm sure that helps but yeah getting the core group back together may be tricky i guess we'll wait and see so um more details have emerged about the planned Doctor Who spin-offs, one of which is set to feature Gemma Redgrave as showrunner Russell T. Davis says an episode of the new series is one of the greatest things I've ever made in my life. Uh, of course, since Seraki and international distribution deal for Disney+, Plus, Davis, who is showrunning the series for the second time, has been clear that spin-offs will arrive as part of the expanded who universe. Who-niverse. Okay, that's a weird way to put it. Uh, one of those spin-offs will be based on Military Research Organization Unit and will star Redgrave as Kate Stewart. BBC sources confirmed Redgrave has played Stewart in 10 episodes of Doctor Who since 2012 and the spin-off will focus on her running the unit, which has appeared on and off for, in Doctor Who for the past 50 years. Dylan, do you want... Are you excited for a unit spin-off? <laughs> uh, I could be. I wouldn't say in general that I'm excited. I know it's like a big part of Doctor Who... That it's, well, it's a big part of like old Doctor Who, I guess. New Who, it's been there with Kate and everything like that. But I don't, I don't feel like there's anything in unit currently that would have me like really excited. Also, with where Doctor Who's at as a franchise, the idea of spinoffs currently is not. I don't think there's any spinoffs that would currently excite me simply because my excitement level for Doctor Who is at a a, a level of. I need to, you need to pull me back in. You need to win me back over a little bit mm. to, for me to get excited about spin-offs. You know, compared to the where they were like Torchwood, Sarah Jane Chronicles, you know, like they fucking whatever else they were doing. I can't remember. They did something else, I think, as well. So yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd be intrigued. This doesn't really go into detail as to whether this is also being financed by Disney, which I feel like would be a massive... If it was, then I think I'd be more confident that, you know, uh, because, you know, it's obviously would have the budget behind it to do crazy stuff. Um, I feel like you just need to know the creatives involved and maybe more of the cast and that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, the last time we've seen Unit, it was they were in a very bland... <laughs> uh office building um yeah it'll be interesting to see um what they do and what they they uh want to do going forward so uh yeah uh all right dylan every single week there's so many different projects that are getting announced uh casting rumors and uh different deals going through uh there's no time to Cover them all, so we're going to cover them in a segment we like to call, Would You Want to Invest? Uh, so I will list a different project with different, all sorts of different information, whether it's people who've been cast, directors involved, new, you know, uh, they've been bought by a studio. Uh, and Dylan will let me know if he would partially invest, fully invest or not invest on the project based on any criteria he deems fit. And then history will be the judge if he is right or wrong. History. All right. Uh, first project, uh, following has been animation feature Oscar win for Pinocchio on Sunday, Guillermo del Toro is getting ready to find he, his next live action film. Sources tell Deadline that Andrew Garfield, Oscar Isaac, and Mia Goth are in early talks to star in del Toro's Frankenstein and Netflix. Del Toro will write and direct, uh, the pick. Insiders close to the pick caution that del Toro is still working on the script and no formal offers have been given to any actors, but sources add that he has met with all three and each is on board to star. Uh, Del Toro has been developing the Frankenstein project for some time and long has been wanted to make a movie centered on the iconic Mary Shelley story. It's unknown whether his version will be a period piece or is set in modern times. Also unknown is who would be playing Dr. Frankenstein or his creation. It's believed Goth would be playing the Doctor's love interest. Uh, yeah, fully invest. I feel like that's a... I don't like have a huge, like, oh man, Frankenstein, what a... What a franchise. What an IP I have such love for. But the cast, Gilmero, I feel like it's a that'd be a smart invest. Smart smart of Netflix to keep Del Toro on board. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh all right. Academy Award nominees Florence Pugh and Andrew Garfield have now found their own project to star co-star in. Sources tell Deadline that two are in negotiations to star in Studio Canals. We live in time. John Crowley is on board to direct with Nick Payne penning the script. Uh, Studio Canal developed the script and will produce with Sunny March. Plot details are being kept under wraps other than it is described as a funny, deeply moving and immersive love story. Uh, I will... Yeah, fuck it. I fully invest. (laughs) Everyone love them up on the stage at the Academy Awards. Right? Yep, they did. Yep. Did good together. They look good together. They make good movie together. Done. Done. All right. What am I saying? I'm fucking Florence Pugh stand over here. I got to like, yeah, what, whatever. What, what, I fully invest. Fully invest. Fully invest in anything she's in. I don't care. All right. Natalie Manuel is set to star in the cast of The Killer for Peacock and will star opposite Omar Sy in a leading role. The two are top lining the reimagining of the 1989 John Woo film, which the auto direct is also set to help and produce the original pick starred Chow Yun-Fat and of 
and follows an assassin who takes one last assignment in order to use his earnings to pay for the surgery that will restore the sight of a blot singer he blinded. The details behind the new take are unknown. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, I'm out, dog. You're out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm not investing. Nah, I'm sorry. John, John Woo has like a... John Woo films have a... Something to them. Someone remaking John Woo things. But it's John Woo remaking it. No, nah, doesn't matter. Okay. I'm out. You're out. Emmy winner Michael Chiklis is set to star alongside Danny Pino in Kotel Cocaine, MGM Plus's upcoming crime thriller from creator Chris Brincardo. Uh, Hotel Cocaine is the story of Roman Capote, uh, a Cuban ex- a Cuban expatriate who fought against Fidel Castro in the Bay of Pigs invasion, and he remade his life in Miami. He is a general manager of the Mutiny Hotel, the glamorous epicenter of the Miami cocaine scene of the late 19 of the late 70s and early 80s. The Mutiny Hotel was Casablanca on cocaine, a glitzy nightclub, restaurant, and hotel frequented by Florida businessmen and politicians, international narcos, CIA and FBI agents, models, sports stars, and musicians. Uh, Chickless will play Agent Zulio, who will stop at nothing to shut down the drug trade, if it means using innocent civilians to accomplish his ends. Uh, yes, I will fully invest. As much as you nearly fucked up the, the idea of the movie, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, full invest. I feel like there's a, it's an interesting story, um, that Fidel Castro's, I don't know, like... It's a, what do you call it? Like, it's an evergreen topic. It's an evergreen uh, subject. It's an evergreen sort of person. Yeah. I, I feel like there's always interest in, in, in certain people in history, and I feel like this is one of said people, and the right sort of movie can always lead to great success. So I'll fully invest. Yeah. Oppenheimer, A Quiet Place 2, and Peaky Blinders star Cillian Murphy is embarking on his next project with the feature adaptation of Claire Keegan's acclaimed novel, Small Things Like These. Murphy will star in and produce the film, which is green greenlighted by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's Artist Equity, which will finance the project. Kieran Hines and Emily Watson are also starring in the drama, whose source material has been likened to a Dickens tale. The story takes place over Christmas in 1985, when devoted father Bill Furlong discovers the startling secrets being kept by the convent in his town, and some stocking truths about his own life as well. So I've got Celine Murphy... Kieran Hines. Who else was it? Emily Watson. Emily Watson. Who was director? I don't think there was director. This is I didn't hear anyone. Uh, I will partially invest. I like the cast. I like the idea. You didn't give me a director though. Mm. Mm, I'll go. Pa- I'll partial invest. You get you get both the birth files. You get Kieran Hines and Cillian Murphy. It's, I'm, I'm sure that's like a crossover for a very specific fan base. But yeah. <laughs> Jack Black and brothers Bobby and Peter Farrelly, the team behind 2001 comedy Shallow Hal, look to be reuniting for the holidays and bring in an infamous character along for the sleigh ride. Sources tell Deadline that Black is set to star in the Christmas comedy Dear Santa with Bobby Farrelly set to direct and Peter Farrelly on board to produce with Bobby and Jeremy Kramer. The movie centers on a young boy who, in writing his yearly note to Santa, mixes up the letter and sends it to Satan instead. Uh, Black recently teased a project on social media when he posted a photo of himself posing with Christmas decorations with no context. It got everyone talking about how it could be. 
the film will also star Robert Timothy Smith, uh, Keegan-Michael Keel, Brienne Howe, Hayes Big Arthur, P.G. Byrne, newcomer Jaden Carson, Baker, Kai Ketch, and Austin Post. The current working draft of the script is by the Farrell Brothers and Ricky Blit, with the original idea from Dan Ewan. Yes. I will fully invest. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had to double check to make sure I read the title of the film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in case that was the thing. All right. Yeah. Now it's uh, a thing, apparently. All right. Last one for this week. Uh, maybe time really is a flat circle. Nine years after they started in the first season of HBO's True Detective, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson will reteam for a very different kind of show. The pair will star in and produce a comedy series on Apple TV+. The untitled show comes from Schitt's Creek alum David West Reed, who also created the streamer's upcoming series, The Big Door Prize. The 10-episode series is described as a heartfelt, odd couple love story revolving around the strange and beautiful bond between Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Matthew and Woody's friendship is tested when their combined families attempt to live together on Matthew's ranch in Texas. Um, I feel like it's a smart fully invest. Like the, like even though that doesn't sound exactly what I would want out of their uh, pairing, sounds like what pairing. But I feel like people would watch it because of the pairing anyway. So yeah, I'll go for a smart and fully invest on that one. You know what I say to that, Dylan? Mm. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, let's get. To- <laughs> all right. Okay, let's move into some thumbs for trailers. <laughs> of course, you can find all the trailers we're going to talk about this week in the show notes below. Uh, first trailer: Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, directed by Kirk D'Amico, starring Lana Condor, Tony Collette, Annie Murphy, Sam Richardson, Liza Koshy, Will Forte, Coleman Domingo, Jabuki Young White, Blue Chapman, Eduardo Franco, Ramona Young, Echo Kellum, Nicole Byer, and Jane Fonda. 16-year-old Ruby Gilman learns that she is next in the legendary line of sea krakens. Despite her lefty destiny, she is desperate to fit in at Oceanside High. Ruby struggles even more to fit in when her mother forbids her from going to the beach. After disobeying her mother's rules, she discovers that she is descended from the warrior kraken queens and will ascend to the throne as the warrior queen of the seven seas, her grandmother. Uh, The krakens are a race sworn to protect the world's oceans from the vain, power-hungry mermaids by battling for eons. Ruby would need to embrace herself to fight Chelsea, a mermaid-turned-human who enrolls at Oceanside High School. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken? Uh, I'm going double thumbs up. I thought this looked like a, a bit of fun. I liked it. Um, mermaids are bad. It, <laughs> although the whole um, pretending to be human thing was reminding me, obviously, of... Um, what's that movie that I apparently hate? The Disney one? Oh, Luca. Hard to narrow it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hard one. to narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's got people with liking it. It's got, it's got good casts. It's like a fun time. I'm going double thumbs up. Yeah, I'm also going double thumbs up. You know, it, it's pretty cool that in 2023 we're going to get a cool movie with mermaids in it. You know? Yeah. At least one. You'd uh, think there'd be more than one, but. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're. Clearly taking a very unsubtle jab at Disney with their modelling of the mermaid in this, uh, clearly to look like Ariel. 
uh, or at least the the animated version of Ariel. Um, and yeah, it's a fun twist to like make mermaids the bad guys, I guess, and Kraken's the good guys. Um, yeah, I think it looks very good. What pretty well animated. All the underwater stuff looks good. Um, I'm sure there'll be some explanation as to why nobody notices she's a blue kraken-like creature. Uh, whether it's a uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it. It looks like it's a good time. So this is real. This, this is my one almost negative. So it's releasing in the US on June 30th, releasing in Australia 14th of September. Double fun thing. Bullshit. Really, it takes you three months to release. <laughs> Can't wait for everyone to have already pirated it by then. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all the little kids on their iPads are already watching it, so... Uh, I'm telling you, fucking parents will pirate this... Pirate, there's no way parents out there just don't pirate animated films. So remember when the Lego Batman movie was like the highest anima- uh, highest pirated, pirated movie of the year that came out? And then Warner Brothers sitting there going, why is this movie bombing in Australia? <laughs> <So, like, laughs> Alright. Uh, next trailer. Blackberry, directed by Matt Johnson, starring Jay Parashel, Glenn Houghton, Matt Johnson, Rich Summer, Michael Ironside, Martin Donovan, Michelle Giraud, uh, Sung Won Cho, Saul Rubinick, and Carrie Ewells. Uh, the story of the meteoric rise and catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Uh, Dylan, you're excited for this coming out of South by Southwest. What did you think of the trailer for Blackberry? Yeah, double thumbs up. I haven't changed my mind. I still, like, yeah, so we, it was one of my three things I picked a couple weeks ago last week I don't remember anyway last week week two weeks ago I think yeah two weeks ago South by Southwest um yeah I didn't have a trailer at the time I was just going off solely synopsis and everything so double thumbs up for the trailer I think it looked as as good as as it sounded in my head yeah I think I'd give it two thumbs up as well I think obviously uh as as slightly younger people we don't we didn't necessarily understand the fad of the Blackberry speak for yourself did you did you want a Blackberry? Fuck yeah. So I'm in all the movies. <laughs> okay. Cool people always had a Blackberry. But yeah. I think it's it's pivotal that obviously a major turning point is the iPhone being released now. <laughs> and that's in the trailer too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just like how they show you like and we call it the iPhone and the dude's just like Fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe it, this trailer has a very social network vibe to it. It definitely does, and like it's interesting, like they're raising the idea of how. Te- I guess this is also the, like how text messaging became such a prevalent thing. So, yeah. um, and kind of explaining that. Um, but yeah, it looks very cool. So, uh, Blackberry coming to U.S. cinemas May twelfth, no Australian release date. Bow bow. Uh, next trailer, Beef, uh, created by Lee Song Jin, starring Stephen Yeun, Ali Wong, David Cho. Young Mazino, uh, Joseph Lee, and Patty Yasutaki. Uh, an incident of road rage slowly consumes the two people involved. Danny Cho, a failing contractor with a chip on his shoulder, goes head-to-head with Amy Lau, a self-made entrepreneur with a picturesque life. The increasing stakes of their feud unravel their lives and relationships in this darkly comedic and deeply moving series. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Beef? Uh, double thumbs up for this one, too. I feel like this evil... I'm very interested to find out if these two kill each other or become friends and kill the other person that's honking at them at the end of the trailer. If that's the, <laughs> the big swerve. But I mean, it, it looks like two, Ali Wong and Stephen Yoon, uh, two people who I enjoy in their own regard, both playing very wild characters that I don't think I've seen either 
do before, I guess. Uh, def- definitely both very different characters. Both characters in completely different places, which is also, I guess, the other funny thing where they're just... Um, uh, like she's the she's like having a breakup or whatever the the case is there or going through like something there but she's like from a rich family or rich husband or whatever and then he's uh completely down on his luck losing money so uh yeah I, i'm keen for this one i think it looks good yeah i'm very excited for this one i think it looks fantastic um i think as a trailer it's really well cut together and like um yeah I think this is a really fantastic trailer of itself and then also gets me very excited for the series. Um, just a lot of the interesting visuals and that kind of stuff. And like, uh, I like the part uh, where Ali Wong is just like pointing the gun and re- obviously yeah. recording a video to send to um, Steven's character and then like her husband or whatever like walks in and is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff like that. And then like you see bits, snippets of like the original Road Rage incident where they're like, driving all over the place on the roads and that bullshit yeah. so and she seemingly like runs into him i don't know yeah so i would say she would be in the wrong there if like she, no. she she actually hit him uh so yeah I'm, I'm very excited for this series i think it looks fantastic uh so this is coming to netflix on the 6th of april next trailer mrs davis created by tyra henderson and damon lindelof Starring Betty Galpin, Jake McDormand, David Arquette, Elizabeth Marvel, Andy McQueen, Ben Chaplin, Margot Martindale, Katia Herbers, Chris Dimonopoulos, Dianopolo, uh, Ashley Romans, Tom Walaska, and Matilde Oliver. Uh, faith and technology are at odds as a nun confronts the power of artificial intelligence. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Mrs. Davis? <laughs> what a fuck. Um, this sort of came out. I'm I'm giving the trailer double thumbs down solely because I feel like it's at least the one that we watched. It's just weirdly edited. The audio seems all off the all off the place. I don't know what's going on. There's like I don't know what the fuck's going on. There's something something odd about this particular trailer. This I don't know if it's a binge version of it. I don't know if it's the original version. It's just balked. But um, I'm going double thumbs down on the trailer. I'm knew nothing about it prior to watching the trailer so i'll say as a show i'm like quite intrigued by the the creative team behind it and just the the setup for the show like having this ai asking this nun to <laughs> speak this nun is an interesting way to start a, a trailer and then everything else that goes on from there just looks like a very wild and interesting uh, series so i'm i'm keen to learn and uh, potentially check this one out but yeah i'm gonna double thumbs down for the trailer uh yeah i'm gonna go one up one down as well uh or instead <laughs> um yeah i did also feel like some of the audio was a bit off um again i i did watch the peacock version i don't know i can't remember exactly if that one uh wasn't as bad uh but yeah there's a lot of wild concepts introduced here um betty gilpin looks like she's having a lot of fun um uh you know jake mcdormand is in it and we all love him in the TV show Limitless. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I have faith. Obviously, Damon Lindelof has pretty some wild ideas um, for different series. So I suspect this will be a similar thing. But the idea of a nun fighting against a uh, seemingly all-powerful AI uh, thing is wild. Uh, mm. <laughs> I do love where she's like, she calls it Mrs. Davis. And the other guy's like, don't call it a name. Don't call Facebook Doug. 
I think we should just all start calling Facebook Doug, is what I'm saying. All right, this is coming to binge on 21st of April. Last trailer for this week, Joyride, directed by Adele Lim, starring Ashley Park, Sherry Kohler, Stephanie Hsu, and Sabrina Wu, Audrey Lolo, Kat, and Deadeye are four Asian-American women who travel through Asia in search of Audrey's birth mother. Tell them what you think of the trailer for Joyride. I, I've watched this one twice. I watched this one, like when it dropped, and I watched it again when you posted it. So, uh, double thumbs up. Looks hilarious. I can't wait to watch it more. Um, that part where that woman just like blows drugs on their face. She's a neural drug dealers down to paired with the part at the end where they're like pretending to be K pop stars. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what do uh, I name? Yeah, yeah. Lucy. Uh, Lucy, Lucy, what's two. it? Lucy 2 or whatever. Yeah, like, um, yeah I'm going to double thumbs up. Looks like a great time. Yeah, this is double thumbs up for me. Uh, it's wild. This trailer came out like a week after uh, Stephanie Shu is up on stage at the Academy Awards being part of uh, Everything Everywhere all at once. And then now she's uh, in this trailer talking about taking uh, condoms out of her, condomed drugs out of her arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> What a wild world we live in. Uh, <laughs> she shouldn't have won the Academy. She should have won the Academy Award, is what I'm saying. And then would have helped yeah. this movie. Well, you know, lot, maybe so. for this. Um, What's Jamie Lee Curtis doing now? Nothing. She's not even employed. <laughs> Rest in all the She's um, a working actress. To be fair, she was cast in this before one, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once came out. So, I mean, it's just My good. care factor zero, yeah? Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Is very funny, even right from the start, where you know, they're he's the two characters are introduced, and this little kid, little piss of shit, says no ching chongs allowed on the slide, uh, and yeah. he gets punched in the face like you should to yeah. any racists or fascists or uh, yeah. you know, any people like that. <laughs> Punch a Nazi today, yeah, or several days ago, preferably, yeah, or several uh, days ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this looks delightful, obviously, you know. There's so many, like, small snippets, like, shown off in this trailer as well that I'm like, how is this all going to play into this film? Like, obviously, they go on a massive drug trip and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, this looks like a lot of fun. And, of course, our boy Ronnie Chang pops, pops, pops up. Yeah, I was like, as soon as Ronnie Chang pops up, I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks super serious in this. Yeah. He's got, like, an emo haircut or, like, comb over little thing. I don't know what's going on there, but anyway. Good on you. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, Joyride is releasing in cinemas, 6th of July. Alright, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, this week's top three, in honour of, uh, Willow, hoping to come back for another season, it's top three shows that should come back. Tell them what's your number three. I feel like there might be some crossover. I can't remember what I said for like cancelled TV shows that we did. Like so that, what we previously did, did t- top three cancelled TV shows that you should still watch. Yeah. Oh, so like top- cancelled. The- yeah, yeah okay. you should still I watch s- it I because s- it's still, you know. Yeah, so I feel like I may have some crossover. I can't Yeah, that's that. fine. All right, so number three, Glow. Netflix cancelled it out of nowhere. Well, in fact, they were filming it. 
they were literally filming the series and then they cancelled it. So, uh, bullshit on that. Uh, it's still no. Now, the one thing I thought about for all my picks was if they brought this back now, is it still work or, the, mm. or, you know, is everyone past their point? Are they too old to come back now? Like, you know, there's some things where it's like, it's gone. You can't come back. It's done. Yeah. Move on. Um, there's no reason Glow couldn't come back. There's absolutely no reason. It's been time. So, yeah, if they, if they were like, Glow's coming back, new series this year, next year, fuck yeah, let's go. Uh, my number two was glow it makes sense you know uh even if i don't think the actors have necessarily aged out of the exact point in history that they were like you could like you could also jump ahead a year or you could jump ahead like it wouldn't matter yeah several years and see how uh whether they're like doing well on their tv show or whatever yeah uh yeah that's definitely definitely one very high on people's lists uh, Dylan, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Mindhunter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, uh got two seasons, obviously. Uh, it didn't like exactly end on a cliffhanger, but also it, its main story and through point is, has not been finished, and that's the annoying thing. And Well, the main annoying thing is the show's really fucking good, so you just want more of it. Uh, but mostly the little character moments that are that are annoying to see left unfulfilled and unfinished. So uh, absolutely no reason that Mindhunter should not, cannot continue other than, I don't know, money? Apparently that's the reason? It's expensive? I don't know. My number one was Mindhunter. I mean, they're the original. Let's release everybody for the contracts until we figure out how we're going to do the next season. So they still haven't done it because David Finch has been busy and... uh, Everybody in the cast has been busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely a show that I would love to see come back for another season. If only to shut people up who use Mindhunter as the reason that Netflix cancels everything. Um, oh. That would be... technically you know, cancel, it just hasn't happened. So. Yeah. The door is still open. Oh. It's, it's definitely not dead yet. But yeah, fantastic show. Would love it to come back, especially with... They, they were constantly teasing a certain serial killer. Uh, and to see that come to fruition would be a fantastic payoff. Uh, yeah. all right. Dylan, what's your number one? <laughs> my number one was Hannibal. Uh, so, obviously, I think this was on my list, but um, Hannibal, yeah. one of my favorite shows of all time. It got a... It got a finish, I guess, because Brian Fuller was scared that he may not get a fourth season, and that's what what wound up happening. But of course, he had plans for a fourth season. We were about to enter the the Silence of the Lambs, uh, Clarus Darling territory of the Hannibal movie books, whatever you you know Hannibal from. Period. So it's sort of annoying that we were that close to getting to the, to what's considered the best, I guess, book of the them all and yeah. so sort of touching into that ter- territory but also Hannibal is just such a utterly fantastic well written mind blowing beautifully shot like nothing you've ever seen before show with two fantastic actors sitting across the table from each other playing mind games that I would have happily taken another couple seasons of it and never complained about it so um, yeah and there's no reason other than the fact that I guess one of those actors <laughs> is uh, sort of in a lot of Hollywood movies now, um, that we couldn't get more, or it couldn't return. So my number one pick is Hannibal. Uh, so but going back to my number three. <laughs> <laughs> my number three, Marvel's Agent Carter. 
of course, the TV series in which uh, Haley Atwell plays Agent Carter, like the, you know, after the events of Captain America, First Avenger, um, and kind of start the beginnings of S.H.I.E.L.D. I feel like you could still do that. You could definitely come back and shiftly jump forward in time. Uh, and with, obviously, now the advent of Disney+, Plus, there seems like it's a series that, you know, you could definitely have. Um, and you could definitely, especially if they've uh, want to do more S.H.I.E.L.D.-related stories, it definitely feels like S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization is sort of coming back. Um, you could, again, like, delve into the origins of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that would be very interesting and definitely something... Uh, worth Disney and Marvel's time. See, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? John Wick, baby, let's go! <laughs> Fucking Keanu Reeves at it again. Don't know what's up. Trailer says he gets another dog. Somehow these people don't stop coming for him. It's fucking, it's a hard knock life to be John Wick, I'll tell you that. But I'm very excited. Um, all these movies are great. Second one's the worst one, but even that's fine. Um, hot takes done. And then another thing I'm looking forward to, TV show. Do you want to guess? So you can guess. No, no, looking at a camera. You don't know. It's yellow Jackets. You're looking at a camera. Yellow oh, yeah, Jackets. Yellow season jackets two kicks off right, here. Yeah. Starts this that, yeah. Friday uh, season premiere. So Yellow Jackets, one of my favorite shows from last year. Um, keen to get into that, the, the second season of that. So they're my two picks. I'm making a thing now. I'm picking a movie and a TV show. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I've only got one pick and it's season four of Succession kicks off Monday. Um, yeah. One of the best TV shows currently being made coming back for his final season i'm definitely excited to see how the events of the last of the season finale kind of ripple out to this final season so yeah very excited about that uh all right let's know what you want to watch this week uh or what are your top three tv shows that you want to come back uh what you what thumbs you give to any of the trailers or anything we talked about in this week's episode by going to explosion.com slash twitter or jump to our discord at explosion.com slash discord if you want to help us out here at what you want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars. Anyone can leave five stars. Or just tell people about the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, uh, think it's worth a dollar, hand over to our coffee page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.